0: Life in Colour is a brand new show that will discuss current affairs from a different perspective that you probably don't hear about often enough. Mm -hmm. Our show will be amplifying the voices of minorities around the world in a global conversation about the most important issues that face us today. We'll be chatting about ideas of racism, sexism, imperialism, nationalism, white privilege, all in the context of current affairs in Australia and beyond.
1: And today on Life in Colour, we are talking about all things food. So today we'll be exploring the modern relationship between people and food. Obviously, this could be a very extensive discussion and since we don't have the time or expertise to indulge it all, we will bring it to you in bite-sized bits. So we'll be talking a little bit about food security, culture of food and food ethics. So we hope that you enjoy the show. Today I'm joined by Leanne. Hi, Leanne. Hey, guys. Here we go. Let's jump into it Leanne. What is your favorite food if you have
0: one? um wow, there's so many to choose from. I think maybe it'd be easier um to discuss my favorite flavors okay i uh, I'm like a savory person, so mm-hmm. like things that are really salty, oily. And sour, like I love all vinegars. That's a bit weird.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't like vinegar. The, I can only yeah, vinegar in dressing. Um, balsamic vinegar I like, but I can't have it like just on its own. Has to be with something that kind of diffuses the uh. sharp taste.
0: Oh, I like eat just bread, olive like olive oil vinegar that I can
1: do because the bread like I said if it's a bit
0: it kind of yeah but no one drinks vinegar what do you
1: think (laughs) yeah but it's still for me I guess yeah it wouldn't be a flavour of choice that's interesting what about from your background what's your favourite foods if you had to choose a range
0: my mum's handmade noodles
1: wow yum
0: yeah made in what style um with eggplant and green beans and I'm never going to learn, because this is too much effort, so I feel like i am like, <laughs> You failed. just have to enjoy it while well, you can. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What's your favorite food? Oh, my gosh. For
1: those who know me, <laughs> they know that I love food. Like, I am such a foodie. Like, I just love to eat good food. And I don't eat junk food that much, because it tends to make me feel, like, a bit... Sick because I guess I haven't eaten yeah. it and um, and it's not satisfying as yeah, a good wholesome. That's meal. absolutely right. And I think I haven't grown up eating a lot of junk food because yeah. my parents are both health professionals and they're just not about really? that life. <laughs> yeah. So, but I I love I love foods from cameroon from my background Back as well i love italian cuisine actually Aww. and middle eastern cuisine yeah. um i think mediterranean food in general, in general i really really love um it's just it's just delicious like spices
0: i love spices yeah, a good spicy meal i love indian food actually yeah. for those.
1: yeah there you go yeah i love i like i like flavorsome and wholesome yeah. food yeah that's Quality definitely over quantity in my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, so today we're going to be talking about foods, foods related to our culture, um, foods that are often attached to people, memories, and foods that bring us an experience. That's generally why people enjoy food. It's not simply as a point of nourishment, which you do need to survive. It's also that food connects people. And I guess that's what we're going to be exploring today, how it is that food connects us to one another, food connects us to our histories, etc.
0: Food has an obvious important role in substance. It keeps us alive. But it also has a social role. It is the centerpiece of a social gathering. Think of how our social lives revolve around food, from getting brunch to hosting dinner parties. Food is something that we use to bond with others, from family, friends, to the broader community. Food is how we embrace new people. I definitely grew up in a food-centric household. My mother was very proud of her cooking. And a lot of, like, cuisines, um, the food of... You know, my parents' kind of cultural background reflects a unique set of histories. Um, Yeah, for example, my parents are Chinese, but they're from an ethnic minority group in China called okay. Um, Yeah, it's not known, but there's actually 56 different ethnic minority groups in China.
1: Wow. I thought, I kind of, I don't know why, <laughs> but you always hear China described as one homogenous group. group of people. Yeah. Which, I never even thought about the fact, yeah, perhaps regionally the foods yeah. might be different, but different, like, Gr- group, ethnic group. Yeah, but obviously, logically, it makes a lot of that sense, sense that a country that big, big. in landmass would have very different cultures, cultures and peoples existing within it.
0: Yeah, and I think you find that with a lot of, we think about, we categorise food often within countries. Yeah. But if you break it down, it's much more... Regional. Regional and complex yeah, complicated than that. Yeah. So I think that's like the interesting thing about the connection between food and culture. Definitely. And specifically this area, um was where we're a lot of um was part of the Silk Roads. So a lot of okay. people that's why there's a lot of ethnic minority groups they're from. They're often descendants from Silk Road travellers. Okay, so wow. So there's a lot of influence from Middle Eastern and arabic backgrounds who've kind of married in and like settle in there so yeah. an example is the food that my parents could have a lot of cumin which you associate with the middle, middle east, east or food. even north africa yeah. but you wouldn't associate with china but no, that's certainly not so that's kind of like a relic of the kind of of the silk road heritage of the traveling in Absolutely. between this so i think that's interesting how um
1: but basically, in that sense, that food that they prefer, that food connects them to an identity and a history yeah. and a culture. Yeah. yeah.
0: And like when you grow up, a lot of people associate certain foods like honey, soy, chicken with mm. Chinese culture. But that's mm. something I never connected with because you would never put sweet food mm. in that area. Everything is spicy. <laughs> Everything is spicy. Yeah. Is it to
1: do also with where it's located? Is it kind I of mean, a cooler climate?
0: It's actually, okay the first city from the ocean so it's really hot mm. during summer and it's really cold during winter but i okay. think the location is interesting because i think the southern places tend to have sweeter food and the northern yeah. places tend to have drier food so i think yeah like climate geography joke feed definitely yeah. influences the food, food that you. Eat.
1: and growing up did you were you kind of const- were you reminded of this heritage more so through your food than and did it Perhaps make a bit of a disconnect between you know your Chinese background and perhaps the common Chinese Eastern, foods that yeah. we and what we what well people like myself who don't know much about China would perceive to be Chinese foods and Chinese people and Chinese
0: cultures. Um. Yeah. It was like the most obvious difference. Like if you go to China, but that kind of food, I don't. That doesn't isn't the food that my parents cooked for me. It's quite. It's what part
1: of China would they're from?
0: Northwest in Xinjiang, so okay. it's an area that's like bordering a lot of countries. Okay. Yeah, it's so like Russia, Mongolia, Kazakhstan, and a lot of like yeah, Middle Eastern influences. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: and where exactly? So I'm still trying to picture where exactly is your area or your background? What part of China?
0: Northwest, Northwest. Okay, yeah. So, and if you think about it, most of the major cities are like on the coastline of the east. Yes. So it's quite okay. like, it's in like the middle of the desert. There's not much else going on there, <laughs>
1: <laughs> except for good food. food. Apparently, yeah.
0: no, it does have good food. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So, um, what kind of connection do you have with your food and culture? Was it like a big part of your family? Was it a big part of you growing up?
1: Well, I think that for myself for my family as well it was kind of it was it was just a regular it was just a common thing you don't realize that your food is different from other people's foods because it's kind of this is the food that you eat and you grow up with this is the food that you know it's what connects you that brings you together in a way that brings you with your community together obviously um having grown up in Australia I realized that there are so many different influence yeah. you know different things we started eating even like change like what you eat for breakfast is different definitely. From, yeah oh, definitely. yeah and my
0: parents don't understand what cereal is yeah, yeah exactly right
1: I think it's I think it took us a long while I mean for me personally I used to detest sandwiches like I don't <laughs> like sandwiches and I always just used to take leftovers to school for lunch. Yeah. That was my school lunch because that is what I felt most comfortable with and mm-hmm. I just thought it was the most the best meal and my mom was, you know, yeah, of course. My sister on the other hand would prefer a sandwich because everyone else had a sandwich, you know. Yeah. It's just
0: So what kind of food did you eat?
1: Um where I where our family is from in Cameroon is kind of mountainous. Yeah. and But Cameroon itself is just such a very diverse place because of its migrant history. And the food is intrinc- intrinsically linked to the people, yeah. like I've said. Um, and like you pointed out. So the food that is from that region as well is more to do with the geographical location Mission, as well yeah. as the cultural group because some of the food is ceremonial as well. For no. example, if you have like a special guest, there are these nuts called kola nuts, they're yeah. really bitter, um, like large-ish brown, dark brown colored nuts. They're very, very bitter inside when you um crack them open, but they're very c- ceremonial as yeah. well. You know, they're used in there's like an important meeting. Um, and then there are the dishes that are prepared are mostly they're not um, they're not for like small amounts of people. That's one huge difference. I think I definitely my mom and my aunties would say f- here than in Cameroon, yeah. because you kind of prepare food that takes a lot of time, wow. but it's a lot of food that generally feeds quite a few people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's delicious food. It's usually quite but, rich. Yeah. Um, we use a lot of palm oils. We use a lot of green vegetables, a lot of um, fruit plants. Uh-huh. So taro, manioc, um, plantains. That sounds um, great. <laughs> yeah. So it's and it's so completely diverse. I bite and myself over. yeah, because Cameroon is so diverse, yes, and yeah. it is historically a migrant country. country. Different peoples have brought along with them. There are different cultures, there are different foods, and they're settled in those different geographical regions. Cameroon is sometimes described as African in miniature because of the vast geographic...
0: So it's like a bit of a fusion. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And uniquely, it's one of the places where you're not... uh, The groups aren't so isolated that they don't share in their foods. In that sense, so the food, obviously, if you go down closest to the coast, the food that you'll find is seafood and fish, but people in the northwestern region would also know how to cook some of those foods because of the dialogue and because of the cross-cultural integration that has happened over the time since people have been living and migrating there. Yeah, so it's quite a, I grew up with quite a delicious fusion (laughs) of foods and to. To distill all of those and say this one is my favorite, it's quite difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's it is quite difficult for me. Um, but it has been a, a delicious a delicious, delicious childhood.
0: There was just something you mentioned about um the kind of sharing of food because I feel like that's the same with my parents. When the way you cook something is you cook like you have a base carb like noodles or rice and then you cook like a lot of different plates of vegetables and salads and everyone shares it. And if you think about like maybe modern Western food like sandwich and stuff, these are very Mm. like individualistic, up and go, go kind of food. So I feel like...
1: Absolutely, that's so true. I think for us we have mainly, we'll have like... Yeah, like a starch base. So rice or corn or um fufu or taro or something like that. And then stews generally different types of um stews and salads too, like different I guess they're not cold salads, but they're prepared um in yeah, that type of way where perhaps it's like a green vegetable, something that's the base of it. But Definitely like vegetable stews, stir fry, fry kind then. of things um, that accompany those dishes. But again, it's often quite a lot that you yeah. prepare because it takes so much time to prepare. You can't really prepare a small quantity of it yeah. um, to kind of just pick up and go. It's kind yeah. of one of those things where people have to sit together, prepare right. it together and then eat it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: a very communal activity. Absolutely,
1: definitely. And even... Because of the ceremony of food as well, I think in our region, there have been a lot of influences, the French influence in particular in our cuisine, um, that have also influenced like the culture of the food. But generally, most of the food is about having people togetherness. Like you can there's a saying that says like you never eat alone. Yeah. Because... If you're living in a community like that, you don't do things alone. Like, you know, we are interacting with other people. Yeah. So food has that ceremony in the sense yeah. that it's something that happens with other people. people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: And I think that's common in a lot of cultures. cultures yeah.
0: Yeah. And whenever there's like a big, f- like, kind of festival or religious holiday, mm. You have, like, separate different foods. And, mm. like, you go to every relative's house and you eat food. Yes, that's <laughs> And then you exactly. stuff yourself silly and then you're... Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> and I think that's in most cultures. cultures it is yeah. that food brings food people brings together. People I are. mean, even now when you go to restaurants or you hear of people talking about it, it's like they don't just go for the food. food. They go for an experience. Yeah. You know, you go to... You go for an experience of the food, for the service, for the atmosphere, for the people that you're going to be sharing in that food with. So, yeah, it's a very interesting kind of...
0: But you don't often think about it. It seems trivial, but it's actually, yeah. yeah. It's very deep-rooted. Cool.
1: And for us, food is an easy and accessible part of our everyday lives but for others this isn't always the case and food security is the term used to describe a state where everyone has access to nutritious food so we're going to give you a few quick facts from Oxfam Australia about
0: food security. Uh, Currently globally 842 million people are undernourished. Wow every year?
1: Consumers in rich countries waste almost as much as almost as much food, 222 million tons as the entire net food production of sub-Saharan Africa, which is
0: 230 million tons. It's important to note that the problem isn't that Earth can't produce enough food. It's that it's not necessarily being distributed in a way. Where everyone has access to food.
1: Yes, and I guess that's how that's when they talk about food insecurity, which is the opposite, obviously, of food security. Food security, people have have access to food, whereas food insecurity, people don't have as good as good access. Don't have the access to the food, nutritious food that they should in order to sustain sustain their
0: livelihoods. Yeah. Um, so more than 1.4 billion adults are, were overweight in 2008 and more than half. Yeah. So that just shows you that in some areas mm-hmm. you have issues where people are overweight, overconsuming and others where people are undernourished. So it's about redistribution. Yeah. Wow. Um, when you spend up to 80% of your income on food,
1: as many poor families are forced to do even – small increases of food price spikes can have a partially devastating effect on what that family can afford yeah. so you know we like i said for us food is relatively accessible and easy to come by for others that isn't always the case yeah so this raised the questions about you know the ethics of food so Absolutely, and I guess that's what we're going to talk about. We don't often consciously think about where our food comes from, why we're eating it, or whether it is good for others that we're consuming this food, but the moral discussion around food is becoming increasingly important. Food ethics is fast becoming a topic of interest for everyday people, as understanding how we eat um, impacts our world around around us is critically important mm-hmm. to understanding the global impact in our personal relationships that we have with the food that we eat. So we're gonna play for you a short snippet by food expert Julian Begini talking about the ethics of food. So have a listen.
2: Anglophone and sort of North European cultures on you know good and bad foods, and we sort of like, you know, cake is naughty, broccoli is virtuous and so forth. But actually, I think healthy food cultures don't tend to make those distinctions. You know, everything is fine, but it's a question of how you eat it and in what proportion and and in what combination. And I think, so from a health point of view, that's important, but also I think ethically as well. So, again, eat meat or not eat meat? Well, I think a better question is what sort of eat? meat should you eat? How often do you eat it? And, and so forth. Looking at those issues of like, you know, the sourcing and the sustainability and the ethics of meat production, rather than simply saying, you know, beef, good or bad. So uh, let's take the example of meat eating or not. How much does the why matter? The why we eat what we eat? Or or make the choices that we make? Well, I mean, there are lots of different whys. I mean, there's why we eat one thing rather than another. Um, partly as a question of, you know, why we choose to buy one version of a product over another. Now, I mean, this is kind of a consumerist thought, you might think, and, and not particularly deep and profound. But actually, you know, I mean, our food choices is us to the whole planet, actually. In an average day, if you think about what you want to eat and drink, you are making choices which have sort of ripple effects on people in, you know, South America, Africa, all over the place. Coffee, chocolate, you know, bananas. So we're connected to the whole world through our buying choices. And the fact of the matter is that some of those relationships we have with those suppliers are fairer than others. There are people in parts of the world who are basically earning a pittance or perhaps not even earning enough to live in order to put food on our table. Now, the point is, we don't have complete control over those uh, food chains, obviously, but we have some influence. A lot of the time, we can make a choice about whether we buy, say, coffee, which has come from a sustainable and fair supply chain, or whether we buy coffee where the beans have been sold on the world commodities market, which often results in an unfair price for the farmers. So, every day, we've got... Loads of these tiny choices. But when it comes down to something like the food chain, the the amount of information available to us is variable. I mean, how how do you identify and take something like fair trade? Is that Mm. necessarily a more ethical approach than, say, buying local? Or uh, how do you weigh these things up against each other? Yeah, no, you you are right that it's complicated and sometimes we don't have the information. So, for example, with clothing, I mean, to go away from food, but it's more complicated. It's actually quite hard to get good information on the sourcing of clothing. And it depends on the commodity of the food. I, I think the point here, though, is that there's no point in pretending that any of us can make perfect choices in, in a state of perfect information. But in a sense, that's not the point. We just want to be making better choices, and we want to be shifting the kind of default position so that most of the time we can be comfortable with what we're buying and we're doing the right thing. You give the great example.
1: So that was... Julian Beghini, talking on the ethics of food on Blueprint for Living. That's an ABC show with um, Michael Brissenden. And he's a food expert and he has published the book, The Virtues of the Table. He's currently in Australia for the Sydney Writers Festival, discussing food ethics, among the other things that he... Was talking about in relation to food, food security yeah. and food ethics and he made a couple of interesting points there because I know personally for myself, I don't know about you I don't often think about my food where it comes from how it's (laughs) impacting other people what I'm eating for such I mean like I said I do think about okay it's is this healthy food or not and you try and eat foods that are good for your body but you don't often think about how this food that might be good for your body and good for you is bad is having you know a ripple a negative ripple effect upon other people
0: yeah what's your thoughts um, it's definitely yeah a complicated issue. Like he was talking about locally sourced food and mm. I always thought, yeah, that makes sense that that's the most environmental. Mm. But actually I read something recently saying that sometimes if something's locally made but it's like created in the wrong climate, it's actually better to import that food that's yeah. like being farmed in the correct climate because Absolutely. if it's being farmed in the wrong climate, you actually u- end up using more energy. Absolutely. So there's all these things that intuitively... I don't know. There's just so much to unpack, oh, and obviously, when you're just out doing your grocery at seven p.m., you're really hungry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like trying to work out what to buy for dinner. Yeah. You know you can't.
1: And tr- I guess I think the the idea that sometimes things that uh, I we're told are organic, organic foods yeah. aren't necessarily organics. You can listen to the remainder of this discussion that he has on the ethics of, of food, food and our yeah. relationship with food. But he basically um, speaks on the fact that what determines whether something is organic or not is actually a standard set by organic um like the organic group I guess the people who decide whether the food is organic or not and perhaps something might be more sustainable but it doesn't quite classify as organic Organic, and generally I know for me I always think that if something is organic then it's just generally better better in all the realms like it's more sustainable it's healthier it's better for you and it's better for other people. But he was saying that sometimes that isn't necessarily the case. You may be overlooking things that are still good for you yeah. and have positive flow-on effects to other people, but because they don't meet that organic okay. standard, yeah. you don't purchase them and you don't. the benefits don't sort of flow on.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting. It, but, yeah. It's tricky, yeah, when you have marketing involved, you're not sure how much of it, when something's labelled organic or Mm. healthy or sustainable, how much that is legitimate and how much of that is just good marketing.
1: Yeah, but I think it was very interesting how he talked about how our food, what we eat, it really does have different effects, distant effects. I mean, the farming of coffee and cocoa, we've seen that there has been a more public consciousness Consciousness, about that because there have been... I guess a worldwide campaign in terms of moving towards sustainability of farmings of cocoa beans for coffee and chocolate and other such very um, popular products in the West and elsewhere and how we could be, you know, chowing that down, but, someone else who is farming this food is barely making enough Enough, to feed themselves or sustain themselves, which essentially is what our food should be able to do. So we're no longer just eating to sustain ourselves and to survive. We're eating just for the pleasure of it. I'm totally guilty of that. Sometimes I just want, you know. (laughs) We all go and get that snicker (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. But like I said, it's just talking about food ethics or food security. They're not often things that we discuss That's, in our yeah. everyday. I mean, it's not a dinner time, time conversation. conversation yeah. Oh my goodness! Do you know if this steak that you are eating if, is ethically produced? Yeah, you don't think about
0: it consciously. It's just food on your plate. Absolutely. And it's interesting because um, I've been a vegetarian for a while, and it's often painted as like an easy ethical decision, but actually, it can have a lot of like, mm. I don't know. It's much more complicated. That, for example, a lot of vegetarians like eating quinoa because mm. it's quite a good source of protein mm. but the popularity of quinoa within western nations has meant that a lot of the countries in south america that depend on quinoa the prices of quinoa has gone up so the locals mm. they don't have the same access to quinoa and this produces more well, food insecurity for them because that diminishes their ability so there's all these flow-on effects where you're buying a product that's healthy good organic mm. and it seems like a great idea but all these other side effects are happening that you're totally unaware Absolutely. I believe he's an
1: unaware of. Absolutely, I guess Julian also mentions that it's very difficult for the everyday person to investigate or to be sure, sure. about the source Sources, of their food, yeah. to be to know whether or not it is sustainable and to understand that impact that mm-hmm. it is having. I and I guess that's the point of bringing this more mm-hmm. to people's mm-hmm. consciousness. If you are buying something that is organic or you know vegetarian or certified this or that or rather yeah. how do you know how can you be sure that it is actually having the impact how that you, you perceive you yeah. perceive it to be having because you're buying that product thinking oh this is fair trade okay that's good, good. and oh this is organic okay. is it really, really yeah having those impacts or that yeah. I perceive it's having or oh, this is made in Australia this is produced locally, you know yeah. locally is it good that is produced here as opposed to somewhere else you know is it sustainable Mm -hmm. is it better those are all questions (laughs) that food ethics brings about we're talking about all things food today yeah so talking about diners what's your favorite places to eat in melbourne oh i (laughs) find it really hard to find places like in the city yeah
0: they're all places like Sydney Road, Brunswick Street. Yes, you need to go to the suburbs.
1: Absolutely. Ligon Street. It's very difficult to find somewhere just in the CBD, like, a good... E- Except Chinatown. Chinatown has, if you're really into Asian food, has a yeah. lot of great foods, a lot of great... Dumplings,
0: if you're a poor student. <laughs> Cheap dumplings.
1: Yeah, it has a lot of great food options. But I I, I love Lygon Street. I
0: really like Lygon Street. Ligon Street. Street I like... Um, they have pretty good ice cream, though.
1: Coburg. Sydney Road yeah. because I lived used to live down there, yeah. and the food was
0: just really good. <laughs> I would definitely at Tibis on yeah. Sydney Road. Tibis yeah. on Sydney Road. Yeah, on in the city, I think there's a place called Dong Dong's so that does really cheap Japanese food. Oh yes,
1: Don Don, I've been to Dong yeah. Dong. Yeah. I also like Rice Workshop, which is similar to Dong Dong. Okay. Yeah, Haven't it's been. similar kind of concepts. Yeah. Really cool. They have really good fried chicken as well and really good kind of just the rice and the their curry, curry. dishes and yeah katsu and all that kind of stuff That's it's well. good it's delicious yeah i guess we've had an interesting <laughs> discussion today i think we're going to wrap it up uh, now
0: yeah we've got one last song for you and that was another episode brought to you by Life in Color. Feel free to join our conversation, share your personal stories, and like our Facebook page, Life in Color, and follow us on Twitter at It's Life in Color Show. Or tune in to us every Saturday, 1 p.m. only at Sin 90.7.